You're listening to This Is Us podcast, episode 15. This is brought to you by Joanne the Life Coach Podcast Productions, which includes Widowcast and Weight Coach. Welcome back, everybody. This is Joanne. And this is Rachel. And we're on our marathon podcasting night because we had to get two shows done. <laughs> right? Everybody was looking for show episode 14 from us, which we have done for you. We're doing 15, and God willing, we will have this thing up before episode 16 airs. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, you guys are probably all listening to these at different times, but we have just finished the other episode in our timeline. <laughs> right, right. So, um, but that's good. I mean, Rachel and I would hang on the phone and have this epic evening anyway, because sometimes we do our podcast and then we stop recording and we continue talking until after midnight. <laughs> I can it up way past her bedtime. Uh, past my bedtime. So this is episode 15. It's called Jack Pearson's Son, which I wasn't sure where they were going with that title. Right. But it does allude to what is probably one of the most touching scenes to me in some time. <laughs> I mean, I really loved that. Yeah, there, there, there was a moment in this episode, which we'll get to, um, yeah. for, for me was a full-on goosebump moment, as you always put it, Joanne. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think we got a couple of those. Um, we come into this with Rebecca leaving a long list of to-dos for while she's on the road, because she's going on the road with the band. It's Valentine's Day, right? Jack is coming to her show that night, and afterwards they're going to go to O'Shannon's for bacon cheeseburgers. That's their Valentine's Day tradition. Right. I think he offers her a nice restaurant, and she's like, oh, no, we're going to O'Shannon's. <laughs> Which I loved that, because Jim and I used to have our date night was hamburger night at the diner on Tuesday nights. Yeah, we have to. Because we could get these... <laughs> outrageous combination hamburgers for $5 a piece. Yep. So it was our hot date night, $5 hamburgers. Even I go eat buffalo wings during happy hour at the bar downstairs and they're $5 each. So it's perfect. <laughs> right. Right. That's date night. Yep. Um, we do begin to see this underside of Jack because he does finally unload on his best friend. Right. Mm -hmm. And he can, he can talk to Miguel. You know, Miguel says, hey, look, it's me. Yeah. Right? And he says, I can handle a couple nights with her singing at the club, but she wants to go on tour. Who is she? Janice freaking Joplin? Ooh. Right? And I can't tell her it's crazy because she'll resent me. Yeah. Right? And then he starts expressing some jealousy about Ben, and Miguel says, hey, it's Rebecca. Remember? She only has eyes for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and because I actually kind of see where he's going with that. I mean, he's being obviously he knows he's in the room with the trusted party, but he's being a little over the top phrasing it like, who did what does she think she's Janice Joplin? But I am yeah. like, 
you know, what exactly is she trying to achieve with this tour? Um, like, you know, is she serious about building a career? Because I don't think that's clear. I think this is, it kind of does feel like a joyride for Rebecca. And I say that with all respect for, you know, being able to do, like, have both partners in the marriage follow their dreams and do what they want. But it's, yeah. is she trying to make, like, a serious career out of this? Or is she just... Have- I don't know. She clearly wants to do it. Well, right. She wants to sing, obviously. Yeah. And not going is like letting down the whole band. Because if she doesn't go, they don't get to go. Yeah, but that's not her responsibility. I think I, I think my sympathy for Jack stops at the jealousy over Ben. Um, but But I do kind of get the other piece where I feel like there's not a clear direction to why she's doing this. And it is kind of a huge imposition on him. Yeah. And I could see the jealousy. Like she's out till 11 o'clock at night with this other guy in the yeah. band. Yeah. In his eyes, you know, that's a little hard to sit home and swallow. Like, would she be cool with that? If Jack is like, you know, I'm singing after work at this bar with this girl group. Yeah. Till 11 o'clock at night, you know? I mean... It is kind of a little much. It's kind of like, it's it's starting to feel like this might be the straw that breaks the camel's back a little bit. Yeah, could be. And, you know, for Rebecca, I think, didn't you say it was like her midlife crisis? That's how I feel about it. And I think it is. Like, you know, she gave up everything to have, because she was having triplets and staying home and raising the kids and supporting Jack and what he's doing. Um, And she finally got to the point where she's like, hey, these guys are teenagers and I want to do what I wanted to do. It's time to be me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I appreciate that, but um, I don't know. I feel like the tour is like on another level. Yeah, it is. It really is. Going off on tour is. Yeah, because that's like. That's like now, you know, not only is he the breadwinner, because it's not like she's going to probably go off on this tour and make a ton of money either. He's still the breadwinner. He's still got to bring home the bacon. And now he's the only person at home for five weeks or whatever it is. But now is it going to be like two weeks that she's gone on tour? No, I think it's five. Oh, five weeks is kind of long. I thought it was two weeks. But I mean, people do stuff like that. What about what about these women who go on Survivor TV show? Like they apply and they get chosen to do Survivor and they're going to be gone for 39 days. Yeah, but hopefully they're going to like win. <laughs> but they can't all win. I know they can't, but every one of them thinks they're going to win. But like yeah, Rebecca, yeah. there's not even like the promise of like a big fat check at the end or something. Oh, that's true. But there could be. I mean, maybe she's thinking it really could lead to something. I mean, again, it's just, it. maybe they're just impl- meaning to imply that, but I haven't heard that specifically said. Yeah. Or like there's gigs, but, you know, gigs here and there and like these little cities or whatever don't bring tons of money, especially right. for, you know, a band where every member's got to get paid. And yeah. The but it's going to bring some recognition for them. It will. I mean, maybe yeah. if, if they had even had written into this, like, you know, that if they do this tour, they might get signed or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, then I would have found it more 
I don't know. I don't want to say believable or but or like reasonable, I guess. I don't know. I might have wanted to go do it. Yeah, I mean, I get that she wants to go do it, but I... Yeah, if your life has been so by rote and boring... Yeah. I, I mean, think about it. She's been the at-home mom for... She has been, but that's what, also... 17 years now? 16 years? How, how old are they? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I do get that, but I also kind of feel like... I don't know. Like, everybody in that situation made choices and sacrifices. Yep. Yeah, but the sacrifices aren't forever. No, but... Well, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, then Miguel wants to get back out there. Because he's like, hey, you know, the marriage has been off the tracks for a long time. And I I want to get back out there and I need my wingman. Yeah. Right? He's talking to Jack about after Rebecca's out on the road. Hey, you know, we could get together. I need my wingman. So Jack invites him to the club that night. Because he's like, hey, you know, come to the club. Rebecca's singing. It's Valentine's night. There'll be lots of lonely hearts there. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think it's cute to see Jack and Miguel kind of doing buddy activities. I think so too. I liked that aspect. I liked them together at the club. And, you know, with Jack toning him down. Miguel saying, Yeah, I'll do it. I'll wear my fedora. And Jack's like, No, uh. don't wear the fedora. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and now we get to pick up Kate going into cabin 13. Remember right. that was the uh -huh. end of four, of episode 14. We got that little quick shot in the montage of her walking up to cabin 13. Where we were all like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I know it. Dun, dun, dun. But it turns out she is there to tell Duke off. Yeah. And she does. And I'm telling you, I am owning this because I almost nailed it episodes ago when I said, I think Duke is an owner and that's how he gets away with being that way with the guests. Yep. And sure enough, his folks own the camp. Yep. It's and the he, only thing that really makes sense. Yeah. And after she rips him a new one, he tells her that. <laughs> it's well, like, you know who my daddy is. Yeah, yeah. So he gets her expelled from the camp. What a, like what a scumbag top to bottom. I know I don't it. Think we're gonna see any more of Duke. I think we're done. God, I hope we're done. Yeah. Like there's no way to redeem this character at this point. No. And now that she's left, the, got kicked out of the camp. Like when when else would we see him? It just won't make sense. That wouldn't make sense. And we don't want to see him. Nope. Thank you. You're a very nice actor. I'm sure we're glad you're done. I'm sure he did a great job of playing a heel. He did. He really made us despise him. So good work. Good work. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but, you know, that whole thing with Duke and coming in between them, that's kind of set their whole day in motion. I mean, that's what made... Toby be jealous and that whole thing happened. So she turns up at Toby's hotel. Right. And tells him she was kicked out. Yeah. And that he's not the only one who can, you know, make surprise appearances. Right. Right. And he's just, he's really relieved because 
she said, you know, Duke was such a jerk. And he's like, I'm so glad. <laughs> she was like, why? And so I really thought there could be something there. Yeah. So, and that's when they decide that they need to truly get to know each other better. The deep thoughts. Yeah. Right. He feels like, you know, here they've, they're engaged, but they really don't know each other well enough. So they get into this whole thing of, you know, let's, let's go deep and questioning each other. Mm -hmm. And so after a few light things, they're out shopping because he wants clothes for the theater opening for Kevin. And uh, Kate hits him, <clears throat> excuse me, Kate hits him with the suicidal thoughts that he had admitted to right. after um, his ex broke up with him. And she asked him if it was just that once or if he had had them before. So um, Toby kind of confesses the whole thing to her. And tells her about having had depression before, but apparently um, after he and his wife broke up was the one time that he thought about actually doing that, something like that. Right. Yeah. So then he turns around and he asks her, what the heck happened when your dad died? You've talked about his death, but you haven't really told me what happened. And we're all like, yes, tell us. I know. I'm on the edge of my seat and Kate can't do it. Right. She said it's been buried inside for so long. She can't bring herself to talk about it, even though she wanted to share it with him. Yeah. Now, somebody posted this really interesting thing on Facebook. They posted and said, I wonder if Kate is somehow responsible in some way for Jack's death. Well, that certainly is a fan theory. I yeah. I am starting to wonder if alcohol is somehow responsible for Jack's death. Well, that's what really, you know, it seemed to point up to it, um, especially at the end of this episode. But, you know, it's not like Jack had, had he totally given up alcohol? Because I was remembering the scene in the apartment when he took her back in the last episode to their last apartment and they had champagne in there. Was she just drinking champagne or was he drinking the champagne with her? I would have to go back. I had the impression that they were drinking champagne. Me too. Me too. I would have to really look. Yeah. I would too. I mean, that just occurred to me because I was thinking, and we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but Jack has a drink before the end of this episode. And I was thinking that that was like really falling off the wagon. Like he had been dry since the time that she confronted him about his drinking. Yeah. But then I remembered the champagne and thought, well, maybe he does still drink now and then, but he's just never done it the way he used to. You know, he used to over drink to excess and she called yeah. him on it. Maybe it's like a... Maybe it's like he uh, he hasn't been drinking hard liquor thing, or I don't know. I don't know. But they've certainly set it up to make it begin to look that way to us, that it could be, you know, him being angry after them having a fight and drinking and that being involved with his death. Yeah. Um, so, somebody else said something about it being tied maybe to 9-11, but I don't think that the kids were old enough when we saw them at the funeral. 
Wouldn't they have oh. been like 19, 20 years old in during 9-11? Um, I think you are correct because I'm pretty sure. Um, so I'm five years younger than the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was at the very beginning of my junior year of high school. So I, I was the, my birthday's in October. So I was 15 turning 16. So yeah, yeah the big three would have been 20. They would have been about 20. Yeah. So I think that might be a little bit later. I don't think it's a nine eleven thing. Yeah. We'll just have to keep surmising, I think, through a few more episodes. They're really holding that one back. I, they are. They are. Um, Kevin. Oh, Kevin, this is the best. He's being interviewed by Katie Couric, who seems to know a hell of a lot more than she should about his private life. Right. Did you love that? I knew it was a dream immediately. Did you? I didn't until about halfway through the sequence. And then it was like, oh, he's dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. You know, about the time she totally castrates him about sleeping with the ladies. And, you know, he made his mark as the manny and thought he could be taken seriously as a stage actor. And he wakes up. He wakes up because his ex is on the phone. And when he answers, she asks him if he had the Katie Couric nightmare again. Right. Right. So it's just another moment where you know just how well they know each other. Right. Right. Yeah. They were definitely husband and wife. I mean, I knew Jim's number one prime nightmare. Mm. <laughs> okay. And I would know. And, and, you know, if he woke up in the middle of the night, kind of in a cold flop sweat, and I would say, run him from the mafia again, huh? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, She can't be at his opening that night. Isn't that why she's calling him? So they're definitely yeah. on again. And Kevin is saying, so what are we? And she says they are cautiously dating. Which, good term, cautiously dating. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought that was cute. And he was like, yeah, okay, I like that. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. It's the night of the play. He is sure he's going to suck. Right. He's kind of having a meltdown, obviously, based on the nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he runs into Sloan. They're on speaking terms. She's wishing him luck. And she tells him a New York Times reviewer is in the audience for opening night. And he just looks kind of ill <laughs> hearing that. Right. Right. So and we get a flashback to teen years in there where they're all coming in after school the three of them as yeah. teenagers yeah. and Kate lets out that he's having sex with Sophie and Rebecca overhears that. Yeah. Right. And, and, and he, and she plays it totally cool by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Kevin tells Kate, you are D twinned. <laughs> you are D twinned. Uh huh. Um, and she's probably like, oh, whatever, he'll get over it. Like, she didn't seem at the remotely yeah. fade. Whatever, whatever. And Rebecca comes out and looks at Randall and says, did you know about this? And Randall shrugs and says, well, I just assumed. <laughs> I just assumed. Yeah. So we have Jack and Rebecca confronting Kevin, saying condoms, respect, right? 
Um, but then Randall comes downstairs and he's freaking out about his paper on Hamlet. He's like in a total Randall meltdown. Yeah. And Jack takes him to one side and Jack can calm him down. Because he's magic. He's magic. Mm-hmm. He's magic. And um, after that, Rebecca is saying, how can I go on tour? I can't do this. Kevin's having sex. Randall is in, having panic attacks. And Kate's wearing eyeliner. That can't be good. Right. <laughs> right? And she says, I can't go. And he says, of course you have to go. I've got this. I can handle it. You know, and Jack kind of goes on the um, the defense a little bit. Like, you think I can't handle this. I can take care of this. You go. You know? Yeah. So then we see her singing at the club that night. Um, Jack and Miguel are there together. They are uh, doing the guy thing. Mm-hmm. She's singing the Valentine's Day love song, and she's kind of singing it across stage to her old boyfriend. What was his name? Ben? Yeah. Well, and, it's a duet, too. So Right. So and, and they're making eye contact with each other, and Jack is getting more and more steamed mm-hmm. about this. And Miguel finally notices it. I mean, he's been busy flirting with a lady across the room. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but he finally notices, and he tells Jack, you know, this is just shtick. This is for the audience. Right. Yeah. Um, after the performance, Ben comes down to talk to Jack, who's like totally terse to him. And Ben makes the mistake of mentioning when we were together. Yeah. Okay. Jack is kind of a bit of an a-hole about this whole thing. He really, he, he's, he's starting to show like maybe a little bit of a chink in the armor here. Right. Jealous. I mean, he's fiercely jealous. Totally jealous. And don't tell me what I should have learned from my wife or not learned from my wife or something like that. You know, some ridiculous blustery statement. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. And then when Rebecca comes up, he's like, I'm not hungry. He doesn't want to take her for their hamburgers. Right. Right. And once they get home, he totally blows up about Ben being her ex-boyfriend. Although it has to be like, God, when they were in high school or something for like a couple months, it was like nothing. Yeah. She she says she was 19 and it lasted for two months. Yeah. Which, you know, come on. But Jack is totally blown up. He says he doesn't want her going on tour. The kids need her. Yeah. Rebecca, of course, is arguing back. It's like, hey, look, just a couple hours ago, you told me the kids didn't need me and that you've got this. Yeah. You know, it's only because you're freaking out about Ben that you think the kids need me. And she said, I didn't know you had to try so hard to be good, Jack. Because he says something about he was just trying hard to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know he had to try so hard to be a good guy. And for the past 16 years, I've put everything and everyone ahead of myself, you and the kids. And I just knew if I were to ever tell you about this whole Ben thing, you were going to spin out. And I needed to have something for myself without you getting in the way. Yeah. And Jack said, I never thought of myself as being in your way, Rebecca. So this is really a, a big fallout here. Yeah. 
like just the words they're using with each other are kind of mean. Yeah. They're, um, I mean, Jackie is being unreasonable in my opinion, but also, um, there's like a tenseness that's laid the whole groundwork for this. It's never really about one moment or one reaction. Right. Right. Except Rebecca's kind of had this pent up for a while. I mean, Jack has Miguel to go and load to. Yeah. I mean, well, we don't really know whether Rebecca has girlfriends or not. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. And I think about, you know, the shoe being on the other foot. Yeah. I mean, if the, if the tour was going to make money, there was a promise of a big deal at the end. Jack would love to be a stay-at-home dad and have her bring home the cash. I mean, he was never happy in the tie, the suit and tie job. He wanted to go off and do his own thing, but he had to kind of give that up to support the family. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like, I don't know. I just that I don't think it's been implied that that's the case. I I think it's just it's just fulfillment for Rebecca, which isn't worth nothing, and it doesn't mean necessarily don't do it. But um, I don't know. Yeah, but Jack blowing up like this is going to make her absolutely do it. Of course. I mean, how do you push somebody into somebody else's arms? Right. Accuse them of already being there. Yeah. 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 I mean, the way that he's acting is just out of line for sure. I think so too. I think so too. Then, oh, I love this. Kevin shows up at his mom and Miguel's because he's like going around still trying to seek some reassurance from someone because he's right. so sure he's going to suck that night. <laughs> right. Rebecca's out. Miguel invites him in. And asks, you know, if he's excited about tonight. And Kevin confesses to having the jitters. And then falls apart and says, I'm going to suck. I'm going to suck. This is going to be the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Kevin, or excuse me, Miguel starts talking to him and says, When I always needed somebody, I would always go to your father, Jack. Because he could calm anyone right down. Yeah. And Kevin said, yeah, dad, dad was like that. And that's when he starts telling Kevin, you have no idea how much you are like your dad. I see it in you. I see him in you. Your hand gestures, the way you say things. It's like having a little piece of my friend back again when you're around. And that's why it hurts so much that you don't like me. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like, oh. That, that for me was the big goosebump moment in this episode. Yeah, me too. Plus, I totally get this from Miguel. Because after Jim died, when I could talk to his sister on the phone, he had an older sister. And just like the inflection in her voice and the words she would use... Mm-hmm. It was so similar to to Jim that it was like getting a little piece of Jim back every time I connected with her. Yeah. You know, so in Miguel's eyes, I could see where if he saw that in Kevin, that's exactly what it was. It was like getting a little piece of his best friend back. Yeah. So then he goes on to tell Kevin 
you have your dad inside of you. And that's all you need to, you know, calm down, to get rid of the jitters. You just ask yourself what your dad would do because you've got him in you. Mm. And that made me really love Miguel right there. It was like, okay, all is forgiven for Miguel. <laughs> we're like, oh, Miguel, now tell us more. Like, we're very yeah. fickle. Suddenly we love him. But yeah, I mean, this was so good and it was so honest. It was so great. Yeah. And before Kevin leaves, he's like, it's not that I don't like you, you know, or it's, yeah, not- it's, like, it's not that I don't like you. Like, yeah. like he wasn't saying he liked him, but he was just saying he didn't dislike no, him. It's not that I don't like you. And Miguel's like, that's a good start. We'll uh, take it. Uh-huh. Um, which I thought was great. Yeah. I thought was great. Um, we go back to Randall. Actually, this happened before Kevin showed at Miguel's. My notes are out of order. Right. Um, because first he went to Randall. Right? Right. He showed up in Randall's office because he really needed somebody to unload all of his jitters on. And the fact he was sure he was going to suck. And he's telling Randall all of this and Randall is not listening. Not one little bit. Yeah. Randall's got enough on his plate. Yeah. Randall's slowly having a mental breakdown. So, and then he gets a phone call that William has apparently thrown out his hospice nurse and locked her out, told her not to come back, fired her. So Randall has to, has to go. He's like, I'm sorry, I have to go. It's like one more thing for Randall. And he actually leaves crying like he's totally, he's starting to break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so um, we do see Randall like sort of making an intervention between William and the hospice nurse. Right. Um, And he's sort of, you know, doing the kind of things that cranky old man, old men who are sick do. Mm-hmm. Getting mad right. because he can't have a Coca-Cola. Well, I was like, what's wrong with the stupid hospice nurse? Like, give him a Coca-Cola. <laughs> I mean, we don't. Maybe she, that he's not supposed to have caffeine with his medicine or something. That's the only thing I could think of. I know, I know. At this point, though, it's like, who gives a shit? Like, I know. You know the man is, like, come on, he's he's dying. He's dying of cancer. Give him whatever he asks for. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we are outside of the theater with everyone arriving. Kevin's in his dressing room. He's trying to just breathe. Right. Right. Um, they're telling him five minutes to show time. His phone rings and it's Randall. Uh-huh. And Randy, he says, hello. And Randall says, what can I do for you? And Kevin's like, you called me. Right. Yeah. And Randall says, I can't make it to the show. I'm stuck at the office. You know, and Kevin's a little hurt. He's like, yeah, you've known about it for a long time. And Randall just kind of strangely says, okay, then and hangs up. And you see yeah. Kevin thinking about that whole phone call, like this was just totally out of kilter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole thing was weird. Like from when he picked up and didn't realize that he had called. Right. That he had dialed him. <laughs> right. Outside the theater with everyone arriving, Toby holds Kate back a moment because he tells her that he wants to take it slower. 
that the woman he marries should be able to tell him about anything. Right. But she agrees. And he's like, let's just be fiancés for now. And when we're ready, we can plan the wedding of the century. Mm -hmm. But in other words, he's saying he doesn't think they're actually ready to get married. Yeah. Which, I don't know, did it look to you like Kate was taking that in stride? Um, no. I mean, I think she was recovering as he was sort of lightheartedly, you know, bantering about their water park wedding. Yeah. Um, but it did seem like she was a little hurt by, by that. And it seemed like at, and I also thought this, I was like, is he going to break up with her right now? Like, I I think was what she was thinking. So it definitely took her a minute to recover from that. And she was like, oh, uh, I would still be kind of hurt about that. I would too. I don't he didn't exactly not, break off the engagement, but it's like, let's not plan the wedding yet. Let's just hang out and be engaged. Yeah. I don't I don't necessarily think he's wrong though. I kinda think they don't really know each other. Yeah. I mean, I know that people do that. They, you know, meet and they are married in a month or something. Mm-hmm. I know a couple who were married, you know, within like two weeks of meeting each other or something. Oh my goodness. They've been yeah. together at least 20 years. Yeah, it'll never work, right? Right. <laughs> I don't yeah. think, I don't think that necessarily means it, it, um, you know, it can't work, but it does kind of seem like there's some friction between them and definitely Kate's holding some stuff back and she, um, might, might just not be at the place yet, um, mm-hmm. for getting married. Yeah. At least he was being honest about it. Yeah. I mean, which he usually stuffs down emotional, tough stuff. So good for him. Yeah. Yeah. He was being honest about it. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we see Kevin in the wings where the show is about to start. Yeah. Sloane says she's picturing the audience in their underwear right. to calm herself down. And she asks Kevin, what are you picturing? And he says, I'm thinking about what my dad would do. Right. Which now, and this was the best. This was like the second most awesome thing in a long time. Yeah. The lights go down and when they come up again, she's on stage, but she looks back in the wings and he's not there. Right. And we see that he's exactly where Jack Pearson would have been. He's like running through the streets to get to Randall. So Randall doesn't, wouldn't be alone. Yeah. Yeah. And it cuts to the past and he sees like they're teenagers and he sees Randall crying in his room about something that he's working on. And he just hesitates a minute, but then he passes his room by. Yeah. But not in present day. He shows up at Randall's office to just hold him and calm him down like Jack would have done yeah. when he was a kid. So if we've been waiting for Kevin and Randall to resolve this brother thing, I think we just saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think, I think that Kevin has really gotten to the point where he is able to finally drop the resentment. Yeah. And just be like, you know, hey, that's my brother. Right. 
Right. Well, also, you know, seeing Randall crack this way yep. and remembering when he would crack as a kid. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, that makes that makes you drop the resentment right there. Like he's not the perfect son and you're not. Yeah. But Kevin, right. Kevin didn't help him then. He was wrapped up in himself. Well, he was so, a teenage kid. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is just a moment where we're meant to be seeing character development from Kevin. Right. He's finally outgrowing his teenage self. Well, and I think it also had to do with Miguel telling him, you've got your dad in you. Totally. You know? Yeah. And it's like before he didn't understand that he was even capable of that. And suddenly now he knows he is because he's Jack Pearson's son. Yeah. And also maybe at the time when they were teenagers, he was thinking, oh, dad'll dad'll deal with it. But right. now dad's not there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but Kevin is and he's Jack's son. Yeah. Yeah. Cool thing. But then we see Jack all alone. In O'Shawnee's with the bacon cheeseburger and a glass of scotch. Yeah. And, of course, that's leaving us all to wonder if his death is going to be re connected to the drinking. Right. And I was really sad to see him there alone. Like, he left Rebecca at home, and he came out to eat their Valentine's Day traditional burger by himself. Yeah, I mean, they're they're at a low point, for sure. I hated that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, like, they've definitely, you know, the, the show has definitely built Jack and Rebecca up as, you know, like, the the ultimate couple, you know, soulmates, right? Yeah. Um, so it's really hard to see a scene like this. But I think that's just a testament to how well um, the writers have been able to really make us fall in love with them as a couple. Right. Oh, I agree. I agree. And it's so hard to see this. Um, but as I said, I, I don't think for a few episodes yet we're going to find out what happens to Jack. Although I think we will before the end of this season. I, I think that's not going to come till the finale for sure. Yeah. Episode 18. Yeah. <sighs> Which we are hurtling towards... We are hurtling towards it. That's right, because we're at 15. So we have three more shows, and then it's not back until the fall again. Maybe over the summer, we'll go back and rewatch episode six and do a <laughs> episode six, missing episode six. Shh, shh, don't tell them, Rachel. <laughs> I won't tell them. We're, we'll do the Lost Files from This Is Us podcast. That's right. That's right. Or, you know, if there's any news over the summer about the show, too. I mean, we can get on and dish it so we can still do an occasional episode just to keep everybody up to date with what, what's going on behind the scenes over the summer. Definitely, I think we should do one when we start to hear whisperings before the first episode's going to come out. That'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, we have a feedback note from Cheryl Fox on episode 15. Hmm. Um, she says, hope this finds you well. I haven't had your podcast from last week, but wanted to give you thoughts on this anyway. Here's her big three moments from last night. I love that she does this. She like picks yeah. her big three moments. Yeah. <coughs> Although this one looks like it may be more than three moments, Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> 
we might have to uh, skim through this a little bit because this is a lot. But uh, she says she was so proud of Kate for standing up to Duke. Mm, yeah. Yep. But unfortunately, Duke reveals that his parents own the camp. Yep. And he's going to have her thrown out. Um, I mean, I think it was the only thing to do in that situation. I think so, too. I think so, too. Um, she talks about them agreeing to deep dive and they go shopping for Kevin's clothes. She says that um, she thinks that she really, that Kate really stunned him when she asked him about the suicidal tendencies. Yeah. You know, he may not have even broached the topic of her, of her dad's death, except that she went that deep first. Yeah. And then she wouldn't reciprocate. Right. Right. Um, Cheryl mentions that she does have a son who deals with depression, so she knows how serious it can get. And it really made her take notice and applaud the show for take, talking even a little bit about that issue. Yeah. Which was great. Um, I'm skimming through this note. She's got a side note. After Kevin being so nervous about the show, um, saying when they come in the front door talking and it was revealed that uh, Kevin and Sophie is having sex, she said she kind of busted a gut. Teen sex is no laughing matter, but Rebecca's reaction to the news would have been my reaction. Yeah. Then getting mom and dad standing in front of Kevin, staring at him, not what sure to say. Right. And she makes Jack start. It's just so awkward, the whole thing. It is awkward. Cheryl says she told her husband that he has to deal with the boy and the talk, and she'll deal with the girl. Right. So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, she said, um, then Randall comes downstairs in a tizzy about his paper not being good enough, and Jack is focusing all his attention on him. Why did he do that? Right. I think Jack made a promise to always be there for Randall. He yeah. may have also made a promise to protect and make sure Randall knew he was re important and not the replacement. But at 15, I'm not sure Kevin would understand that. Yeah. I, I think maybe also we could, it could be implied that Jack knows that um, Randall has this issue with like panic attacks or whatever we're sort of meant to surmise from this. Mm -hmm. Um, so he takes it seriously when he sees him going in that direction. Yeah. And like, yeah. and it was kind of like a, you know, Randall's kind of having a serious, you know, almost like medical issue and, um, and you know, Kevin and his teen sex can wait. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Um, then Cheryl talks about when Kevin went to Rebecca and Miguel's house and Miguel was home. Yeah. And she said it was a really good interaction between the two characters. And I think it made America forgive Miguel for marrying beloved Rebecca. Totally. <laughs> right. So, um, and I think that's true too. Yeah. She said, um, yeah, Kevin running, seeing Randall on the floor of his office and sitting down to hug him and comfort him was the best scene of the series so far. 
Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think so, too. And something I didn't quite catch, um, she talks about when Randall's having the breakdown and his dad has rejected the, the, the day nurse and Randall's there with his dad about that. Mm. Randall says, we don't want you to die when no one is looking. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually caught that. Yeah. But he was lecturing him on being an old sick man who has a nurse so that to make sure he takes his pills on time. And also, and the last thing was to make sure you don't die while no one's looking. Right, right. And she, Cheryl is asking, is that foreshadowing to the way Jack died? Did Jack die when no one was looking? Um I don't know. I don't know if those are related. I mean, I guess we'll find out is the only thing we can really say about that. I know. But, um, you know, we know that Jack wasn't old, for example, when he died. So either way, different situation. So Cheryl goes on to say, I'm proud of This Is Us for showing us panic attacks and mental instability in a way that doesn't mock or make fun of the person or the illness. My son deals with depression, panic attacks, and I totally knew what Randall was going through to a point. Kudos to them, and I hope they show more of how therapists and psychiatrists and meds can help. Keeping it real, signed Cheryl. Awesome. Thanks, Cheryl, for Thank you, Cheryl. more lovely that, feedback. I love that, and I love the additional insight into that. Always good. And yeah, it is terrific that the show is really displaying that in Randall in a way that makes you compassionate to what he's dealing with. Yeah. And I think, I think that's kind of how this show has touched on a lot of issues mm-hmm. um, that often don't get discussed on TV or, um, you know, they're kind of cast in a certain way that's not, has no bearing on reality and isn't particularly empathetic. So I appreciate that um, this show brings these kind of real life things um, really, you know, to life in characters that feel like people you could know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100 percent. Well, for this show, I think my favorite for this episode was Miguel Mm, talking to Kevin. Me as well. Yeah. I really got the chills when, when they were having that conversation. And it really hit home. You know, I mean, this was realistic writing and it was fantastic. Yeah. So I liked that. Yeah. Good episode. This one, I thought better than the previous one, actually. I th- I think so, too. I wasn't thrilled um, with all of the transitions and it wasn't like a real standout. Either of them wasn't a real standout. But I, I think they were really trying to gently take the storyline into these new directions with us. Yeah, we're we're starting to like have to turn a corner in many ways with what's happening in the plot. Right. Um and but I but I thought this episode as a whole it wasn't as impactful as like the one we had a um a few episodes ago with Dr. K, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think that um I did think that it had more standout moments as compared to the previous episode. Oh, yeah, it definitely did. It definitely did. It had a couple good goosebump moments, um, and we always look for that in This Is Us. Right. This is why we come to this show. We want to cry, we want goosebumps, and then we want to cheer for the characters. Totally. Totally emotional TV show to watch. That's why we love it. Yeah. <laughs> 
So that wraps up episode 15 for us. I'm looking forward to next Tuesday's episode. Mm, Me as well. I did not get to see the previews because my recording cut it off of this one. Did you get to see any of the previews coming for 16? I actually haven't seen any previews yet, so I have no idea what we've got in store for us. Okay, Uh, well, we'll just head on in blind. Yeah. For some of the listeners, they'll be finding out almost immediately when they click to the next episode that we haven't recorded yet. I know it. I know it. (laughs) Okay. Well, we are signing off. Keep it real, people, because this is us.